Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. As always, that's the telephone number to get in on the show. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Because if you had done so today, you would have realized that uh, I put some stuff out there about the CMPD stuff concerning the the officer and that woman uh, altercation that took place the other day that we had the press conference about yesterday, and we'll get into that potentially a little bit later on, as well as warning you guys what was happening on these airways at 6.30 and at 7 o'clock. And that's why I warned you, hey, we got two major announcements, two people running for Congress. Listen at 6.30 to find out who it is. The first one is Don Brown. We know that. Now here comes the second one that I'm getting ready to interview the person that is uh, running for Congress as well. So with that being said, Lee Brown joining us now here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. So first of all, Lee, I really do appreciate you joining us tonight. Hey, Brett, it's good to hear your voice. And yours as well. So apparently there's something that you actually want to talk about tonight and some kind of statement and announcement you want to make tonight. So Lee Brown, what is that? The floor is yours. I did because rumors just get out of hand. So I wanted to tell you directly and your listeners directly, I am announcing my candidacy for the North Carolina 8th Congressional District. Lee Brown joining us here on Breaking with Brett Jensen, where she just announced that she's going to be running for Congress in District 8. So, Lee, you ran for Congress back in 2019, and that was after the whole Mark Harris situation against Dan McCready. So why did you decide to do it again, and what went into the decision process? Well, it's interesting how things line up. When I ran previously, there was a very short runway, as you remember, from that special election. And as someone who's not a career politician, I didn't have probably as much time as I needed to get my message out effectively. And then with the legislature reconsidering the districts, now Cabarrus County is included in that district, which is, of course, my home county. So I feel I bring a different level of expertise and a different level of constituent knowledge to the region. Plus, in the past four years, my business has continued to grow and I've continued to work with folks like our current Congressman Dan Bishop on issues in Washington, and I feel I have a stronger message to bring the voice of the district forward. Lee Brown joining me here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. She just announced that she's going to be running for Congress in District 8. So, Lee, you think having more time this time around will actually help a lot more because last time there were 10 candidates and you finished fourth with about 9% of the vote. So do you think the extra time will help? That's the top half, though. Let's be very clear about what that represents. But I mean, honestly, all joking aside, Dan Bishop is such a fighter for North Carolina and for the district. He already had the credentials and the name recognition, so it was definitely an uphill battle, and I fully acknowledge that, but I am excited to get out and meet some more voters this time around, and I do believe there is a really big appetite for a non-career politician in the current political environment in which we find ourselves. Talking with Lee Brown here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. She just announced here on this show that she's going to be running for Congress in District 8. So, Lee, one of the people you're going to have to be running against is Mark Harris. Many consider him to be the front runner of the district in this particular race. So what are your thoughts about Mark Harris? Let's just be honest, Brett. I'm running for the position. I believe that my skills and talents are different than any other candidate you're going to see because I'm a small business owner. I've signed the front of a check, and I've signed the back of the check as an employee for years. I have worked for homeowners all over this district. So I think I bring a different skill set to Washington, D.C. than we've had in the past. That's got 
nothing to do with the other candidates and everything to do with what I can bring forward for everyone who lives here. How do you get the name Lee Brown out to the far reaches of the eastern part of the district and your message across to those same people? How do you get your name out there and how do you get your message out there? I think it's the same thing that I do in my everyday business. When someone hires me to sell their house, I've got to get the message out. And that's a mix of face-to-face meetings, knocking on doors, doing social media posts, and being as available as possible. One of the things that does frustrate me about some of our elected officials, and this is definitely not a reflection of anybody who's currently in this seat, because I think Dan Bishop's done a great job, and he's going to do an amazing job as attorney general. But in the balance, it can be hard to reach out to your elected officials, and I want to be as approachable as possible. So I'll be out there everywhere getting in front of voters so they can make an active decision. Super Tuesday is on March 5th. That's about, oh, four months or so, four and a half months from now. So what exactly needs to happen for Lee Brown? What's job one for Lee Brown? Job number one for Lee Brown is be on the phone with as many voters as possible and be out in front of as many of our county party volunteers as possible. I believe this is absolutely about connectivity to the district and to the voters. So wherever you see somebody that's active in Republican politics, you're going to see Lee Brown. And by the way, March 5th was my grandparents' anniversary, so I feel like that's a good sign. Talking with Lee Brown, who just announced here on Breaking with Brett Jensen that she's running for Congress in District 8. So, Lee, did you ever think that you were ever going to run again? Did you think after 2019, you know what, I'm done with politics? To be honest, I've always felt a calling to be serving the public in this way. I just didn't know when, Brett. That was why when my campaign concluded last time, and because I'm not a deficit spender, I did have some leftover campaign money that I left in the account just for the future day when it made sense. And looking at the district, looking at the current issues facing our area of North Carolina, I felt like the timing was right to make another effort to serve in this way. Talking with Lee Brown here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. So Lee, how long did it take you to come to that conclusion that you've been thinking about this? Like, did you start thinking about this back in July? Did you start thinking about it after the maps were drawn? Like, how long was this process? I've never not been thinking about it because I do stay actively involved in the political process, in our issues that face us. I've never stopped paying attention. As far as this particular race, it really didn't hit me as hard and hit my husband's conversations with me as hard until we saw the actual lines. And then it just got really exciting to realize that the county where I spend the most of my time and where my business serves the most is aligning with the rest of what was the North Carolina Nine, where I have so many wonderful relationships and so much experience to bring to the table for those in the agricultural field, in the home builders arena, in the new jobs that are coming to this area. So it just all seems to have added up to a unique opportunity for service for this district. Talk with Lee Brown, who just announced her candidacy for District 8 in Congress right here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. So Lee, I like to end every interview the exact same way. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to talk about? Anything you want to say? You did forget to ask me why I want to serve right now in addition to why I'm running right now. I want to serve right now because I believe that we need more common sense in Washington, D.C. And as a mom and as a business owner and especially as a realtor who sat at so many kitchen tables over the last couple of decades, Common sense absolutely can solve so much of what ails us, 
and it will fix this country too. Lee Brown, who just announced her candidacy for the congressional seat in District 8, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm very excited to be back in front of all my WBT friends. Thanks again, Lee. Thank you, Brad. So that is Lee Brown announcing that she's running for District 8 in the congressional seats. That's you know parts of Cabarrus and Union, Anson, and goes down further east. And tell you what, you know, the just in the last little bit, it's gotten interesting of everyone that's decided to go. I mean. Three days ago, it was guaranteed to be basically Mark Harris's. Well, not guaranteed, but highly probable. Let's put it that way. And then just within the last 45 minutes, you've had two other people throw their ring into the hat. Uh, let's try that again. Throw their hat into the ring, uh, announcing that they're going to be running for that particular congressional seat as well with Don Brown and Lee Brown. No relation, by the way. No relation. Um so one, you know, is very localized here and has been here for a long time selling real estate. And you've heard all her advertisements all over this station and many other stations as well as, I mean, I remember she sponsored a golf tournament when I was working at WFNZ as a sports reporter. She sponsored a golf tournament, WFNZ golf tournament one year out there at Old Sycamore. So, but she's been around for a long, long time. And then you got the other one that has a very close connection with Donald Trump. So just a lot of interesting things going on and everything could change between now and December because I mean we still have like I don't know like two three more weeks before people actually officially file they can announce all they want like Mark Walker said he was running for governor and sort of crossing the state talking about running for governor and now he's running for Congress I mean things can change in an instant when people realize okay you know what writings on the wall things aren't going as well as I thought they were going to go or whatever and then they pull out or they change or whatever so we'll see how many more people actually enter, to re- enter the race and sign their name on that piece of paper saying they are officially in come in December. But right now, um, I believe we've got four people running for District 8 right now that have officially announced, if my math is correct. There might be five, but I think it's four. All right, when we come back, we're going to join by, be joined by Scott Hamilton because he's got some uh, very interesting stuff going on over there in Indian Trail. Indian Trail is the gift that keeps on giving, just sort of like Huntersville. So we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Going up until 8 o'clock, if you're just joining us, Lee Brown uh, did a one-on-one interview with her, and she broke the news that she's going to be running for District 8 of the congressional race over there, Union County, parts of Cabarrus County, Anson County, going east, as well as about 6.30 or so, Don Brown announced on the Brett Winnable Show that he's running for the exact same district. And by the way, Lee Brown, Don Brown, 0.0 relation. All right, joining us now is Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom to talk about some more things going on in over there, God bless Union County and God bless Indian Trail. Like I said, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So what's going on now this past week with Union County and uh, I should say with Indian Trail? Not much. Just fighting, fighting technology right now, trying to do you a favor, but it's okay. <laughs> Dude, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I got a hang-up button. Really? Okay. We, we can roll like that. But, no, I can tell you right now, Union County is uh, – well, we we made some waves. 
they have an ethics policy now at Indian Trail. Oops, I knocked it over my microphone. They uh, they have an ethics policy at Indian Trail now, basically because of our reporting, Brett. I mean, uh, you know, they had the, the, the mayor pro tem was censured, uh, you remember, a few months ago because of some things he did on social media. And basically, he said, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't have a social media policy. Well, guess what? They didn't. And now they have a social media policy because we've reported him being censured. And they also have uh, some protocol with how they should deal with the media individually. Uh, and guess what, Brett? Remember the whole deal about the uh, sexual harassment that's, um, that was the uh, one town councilman was accused of? Well, now they have very specific sentences in this ethics policy regarding how to treat town employees, how to treat each other, what's cool, what's not cool, and Thanks to a, a recommendation by Councilman Marcus McIntyre, who's stepping away. He didn't run for re-election. He'll be uh, stepping aside next month. They are going to vote on having mandatory annual sexual harassment prevention training. So things are changing in Indian Trail, and i got to think we had a hand in that. Well, I guarantee it, and because, uh, I mean, let's be honest, not a lot of people t- pays attention to what's going on in Indian Trail political-wise or any of the other small towns unless something big happens, and then that's when we come in. But at this particular point, you're the only one who went in on that. Talking with Scott Hamilton, you know, it's, it's funny that uh, the one person that recommended all that stuff is the one that got out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had enough of it. You know, he's he's actually – by my interactions with him and just talking to him, engaging him and hearing him address the council and, and the community during these meetings, he's very, very smart, very eloquent and very thoughtful. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him run, run for a higher office, honestly, because he, I truly believe his intentions are good and it's not a political thing for him. It's actually, he's an immigrant from, and, and I hate that I can't remember from one of the Caribbean islands, and, and he believes in America, and he believes in the democratic process and, and what can be achieved. And uh, I, I, losing him is to the detriment of that community, but it could be to the benefit of more communities, if that makes sense. So let's get to the media policy. Let's, let's, let's dive in a little closer on that. Are they saying you get, they're not going to be allowed to talk to media or you or anybody else? What, what are they saying? I'm still trying to get clarification on that, Brett. Uh, it looks to me like they're establishing that the mayor and the town manager are basically the mouthpieces for the town. And, and that's not abnormal. You hear that a lot. But there's language in this thing that says, like if, if an interview is a requested interview or if they're asked to, be, uh, to speak to somebody, that they have to huddle with those two people or the town attorney to make sure, I guess, their talking points are all in line. So I'm wondering what would happen if, if I were to call one of the councilmen and say, hey, uh, you know, can you tell me about this? What do you think about that? Are they going to say, well, let, wait, let me let me get permission first. Uh, that's not legal. Well, <laughs> so. right. And not only that, I've never in my five years at WBT ever heard a council member in any town or a politician, a senator, a congressman. It does not matter when they speak, they always speak for themselves. They're not speaking for the city. They're not speaking for the county. And they're not speaking for the state or the country. I think that's generally understood. So I don't know what, why they feel the need to say the official spokesperson will be the mayor or the city manager. That just seems odd to me. I think because there's been such a power grab there and people positioning for this and positioning for that, that they wanted to literally put it in black and white. Here's who speaks for the town. It's these people. 
And, and I also found it interesting, Brett, that they there is a very specific language in this thing, which hasn't been voted upon yet. It's going to be uh, voted upon next meeting. That says you're supposed to put at the end of all social media posts, you know, the typical, uh, the views expressed here are, are not that of the town, yada, yada, yada. I mean, what if you have a personal account? Do you have to do it then? Are you only allowed to have a professional account for social media? So there's still a lot of gray area with this. A lot, a lot of questions I got to ask. Yeah, well, you're allowed to have as a politician. You're allowed to have a personal and a professional account, or I should say, a political account. And so that's have you have have you in your experience though ever seen two two accounts that were maybe butted up against each other that were owned by the same person? Well, I mean, I've I know plenty of politicians who have two different accounts: their personal and their political, and. You know, the thing is, if you have a political account, Facebook, Twitter, whatever the case may be, Instagram, you're legally not allowed to block people from the political one. But you can block people from your private one all day, but you can't talk about political stuff on your private one. Okay. I have, okay, this this is a good point. I have, and I did not know this, and we should probably discuss it off air. I have screenshots of some of these politicians where it shows from their from their pages, which has their title, blah, 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 you know, official title, blocking people, where they have blocked people. Yeah, if that's the only one they have and it's got their official title on it, I, you know, hey, mayor so-and-so or town councilman so-and-so, I, I don't think that's legal. And I'm pr- as a matter of fact, I know it's not legal. So uh, they, they might want to double check with that and as well as the city attorney over there in Indian Trail. And what about election season? I mean, they use these social media pages uh, to discredit this person, discredit that person during election season. I mean, should they? There, there should be something where they have to separate campaign pages from personal pages and perhaps from uh, uh, professional pages for sure. Well, they don't have to do. Like I said, if they only have one, it doesn't matter. They can do everything and everything from that one. But if they have two, they have a specific one for politics and a specific one for personal then the, you can't interchange the two. But if you only have one, you can do everything and anything. Man, see, it's just, it, it became so toxic there with the, with the social media. It, it, it really did, man. And That they have to put this disclaimer on everything. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to post anything at all. Well, that's, everything that's a was a shot point. at somebody else. All right, Scott, we got to run to Anna. We are way late, but I appreciate you joining us tonight. Appreciate it, bud. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So a lot going on in the world of politics. And I know political season it feels like it just ended and it was like, thank goodness, because of all the craziness going on in all the small towns. Then you had the big political race between Tark Bakari and Stephanie Hand and then all the wildness that took place that, especially with the Charlotte Observer almost seemingly trying to almost cover things up or whatever. Like it was just it was just wild. And like and when I mean cover things up in terms of uh, not allowing Tark Bakari to place his political ads and saying, oh, well, we don't know anything about Stephanie Hand. Uh, we don't hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing. We don't know what you're talking about. And then, of course, my report comes out, and then the Charlotte Observer, which I've said this only, the only a million times. There's only one reason and one reason only to ever pay attention to the Charlotte Observer, and that's their Carolina Panthers coverage. 
That's it. That's it. They do a great job covering the Panthers. Fantastic job. The rest of that paper, not so much. Like, bottom of, what do they say, bottom of a birdcage? Line the bottom of a birdcage? That's what it's good for? I mean, bottom of a cat's litter box? Like, the Observer's been worthless. And it's been worthless ever since I've been here. And you know exactly how they are. And it's most basically Pravda. So, but anyways. And yeah, I got no problem calling out the Observer. Got no problem. When you are as blatant and as bad as they are, yeah, sorry. That whole situation with Stephanie Hand is unconscionable. And what happened is they were exposed publicly by me for everything that they are, that they generally tried to hide, that they can't get away with, and now it was just exposed. And they go, oh, there you go. Because you know why? You actually had a politician saying they were going to fight back and expose it as well, and that's exactly what happened. But anyways, political season, you think, you think it's over. Oh, but it's not. We, we may have a drawing out of a hat, and I, it sounds like it's 1885, but it's not. It's 2023. There, is a, there could be a tie for the Cornelius mayor. All this could be settled tonight with absentee ballots and all that. If there is a tie between these two candidates, I am not joking, a name will be drawn out of the hat for the next mayor. That's how they're deciding it. Pulling it out of a hat. The head of the Mecklenburg County Board of Elections, Michael Dickerson, will be the one that decides to, uh, well, that will pull the name out of a hat or a bowl or something. It will be Michael Dickerson. You got some, you got some ties potentially down there in Pineville as well. And I find that fascinating. So fascinating that in 2023, in a major metropolitan county, Mecklenburg County. Now, I think it's only the 41st most populated county in the country, but Charlotte is the 15th most populated city in America. We just don't have any suburbs. That's why the county's not that big, population-wise. Like, what, what's your big suburb? Belmont? Right, right. Matt, like, well, right. Matthews and Rock Hill? Like, okay. So, anyways. Uh, but the fact that tonight's Cornelius Mayor could be decided by drawing a name out of a hat. That's unbelievable to me. I almost like I almost think they should almost have a runoff election. Well, Brett, it would just be the people just vote for the same people. Yes, but you may have more people vote this time, a special runoff election, or you may have fewer people vote this time. So it might not be the same. Especially if you, have, if you have 13 more people vote, well, you can't have a tie if the same amount of people vote because it's an odd number. Or you may have 13 people fewer vote, which means you can't have a tie. So I, I don't know why they're not having a special runoff between the two and just say, hey, all right, next week. I know it's a big headache for the Mecklenburg, or for the Mecklenburg County Board of Elections, but it's in one tiny town, Cornelius. We're not talking about all of Charlotte or all of Mecklenburg County. We're talking about one, lighty, one tiny little town. And so it's, uh, I don't know, I just find that amazing. I do. I find it absolutely amazing that a mayor in 2023, not in BFE, Kansas or Iowa, 
or Mississippi is going to be drawn out of a hat, potentially, if there is a tie after the absentee ballots and after all that other stuff. I just find that absolutely amazing. I do. I, and I except maybe maybe I'm being a little melodramatic in all this. I don't think I am. But uh, it's, I don't know. I, I, I just, I love it. I love it. A um, couple of other things that I want to get into real quick is that now that we're going towards, we're, we're past, like I said, the local election. Now we're heading towards the state and federal. That's coming up. And the names will have to be officially put on the ballot in December. Now, there may be there, you know, uh, hypothetically, let's say Joe Biden, as, as we keep getting closer to December, the odds of Joe Biden running keep getting greater and greater and greater because you have to be put on the ballots. And in order to be on North Carolina's ballot, you got to sign up in December. So we'll find out if anyone's going to try and challenge Joe Biden over the next three weeks or so when they have to start officially signing out their North Carolina ballots and put their name and have it actually registered. So the more that actually happens, the, uh, or I mean, the closer we actually get to December, the more probability that it's going to be Joe Biden running for Democrat president, even though I think it's what 70% of the Democrats don't want him to run. But are you going to try and sabotage him so he can't run? So you can put in a Gavin Newsom or anybody else? Is that what you're going to try and do? And then also in the statewide elections, Josh Stein, the current attorney general, who didn't think, who thought a 20 week abortion ban was way too short, that it should be longer up to closer to full term. And the one that sued to keep uh, churches closed during COVID. He's running for governor and he officially announced or he put out a statement of finally acknowledging Bill Graham and going after Bill Graham, who you guys have heard here a million times on Bo Thompson's show, morning show through the years with Pat McCrory and now with Beth Troutman. So he finally uh, went after Bill Graham, or excuse yeah, Bill Graham, and he also went after Mark Robinson today in an email sent out to the media. So it's going to heat up, and it's going to go through March 5th, through the primaries. And then after the March 5th primaries, that's when it's really going to get nasty because it'll be Republican versus Democrat. And the big one to be looking out for is going to be the attorney general. Yes, governor, I understand. Yes, president, I understand. But attorney general, Dan Bishop versus Jeff Jackson. Two current congressmen that are leaving Congress that are both from Mecklenburg County and are going for attorney general. It's going to be awesome. All right, everyone, when we come back, the announcement from Don Brown. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. All right, so during the first hour of the show, Lee Brown announced that she's running for District 8 in the congressional race. And about 45 minutes before that, or 30 minutes before that, Don Brown, no relation, 
announced on the Brett Wernable show that he's also running for that exact same district. And I want you to hear that interview. So here it is, Brett Wernable interviewing Don Brown about his announcement running for District 8. I want to uh, announce uh, something here that's uh, hugely important. Um, and what I want to announce is we have a, a tremendous guest who is uh, on hold right now. And um, he is a former U.S. Navy JAG officer, a constitutional attorney, a nationally best-selling author of military fiction and nonfiction books. He's been honored by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library and the Richard Nixon Presidential Library to present his profile of Captain Je uh, Jerry Yellen, which tells the true story of the final combat mission of World War II. He's appeared on dozens of television and radio shows across the nation, including the biggest shows that, that you can imagine. He's a graduate from the University of North Carolina, and after finishing law school at Campbell University, continued his postgraduate studies through the Navy War College, earning a Navy non-resident certificate in international law. During his 16 years of service in the Navy, served at the Pentagon for the Secretary of the Navy, and as a U.S. military prosecutor, he attained the rank of Lieutenant Commander, earning the Navy Achievement Medal, the Navy Commendation Medal, and the National Service Medal. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome to the program Don Brown, who is uh, joining us now. Uh, Don, great to have you on the program today. Hey, Brett. It's great to be here. I've been your fan for a long time. I appreciate the nice words. And uh, all those shows I've been on, you said, uh, I've always loved to come home to WBT. You, sir, have brought a lot of the EIB to WBT. We've run in some of the same circles. I was in San Diego for a while. Yes, sir. Listen to Roger going down 94 to the 32nd. Street Naval Base. She later became his producer. So I feel like I've got an old friend here, even though it's the first time he's talked. But thank you for having me, and God bless you, brother. Oh, listen, it is an honor to have you on the program. And I know you have a um, you have a, a big announcement to make, so I want to tell you the floor is yours. Go for it there, Don. Oh, God bless you. Listen, um, after uh, considering this decision, kicking it back and forth, praying about it, and when I found out my longtime friend Dan Bishop was going to be leaving, the Congress, and he's done such a great job championing freedom there for his three terms. And I've decided to run for Congress to represent the great men, women and children of the 8th District of North Carolina. And, uh, you know, it's interesting wow. because when I found out Dan was going to run for Attorney General, uh, at first I said, hey, Dan, you know, we, we talked a few times, say, stay in Congress, you've been so effective. <laughs> but we do need a Republican in that office, and Dan will be the first Republican Attorney General in over a hundred years and will be the best that we've had and so i'm hoping to uh, to be able to take the very bright uh, torch of freedom that he's carried to, to congress for these last now it'll be six years and to pick that up and fight just as hard as dan has fought uh, we're facing a major constitutional crisis uh brad as you know we're facing a budgetary crisis and the yes, congress is, as an institution has advocated responsibility so i'm hoping that the wonderful men and women and children of the 8th District will allow me the privilege and the honor to serve them uh, for the next uh, two years in Congress after this election. So thank you again. We know we're coming up on Thanksgiving here in a week. Mm -hmm. I hope this next week we'll all be thankful for not just a day, but a week of Thanksgiving. I'm thankful to you to be here with you and be able to share this announcement with you and your friends and the great lifters on BT. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much. You're, you're very welcome, Don. I mean, look, the reality is we are living in very troubled times. We, we, we have a, a chaos at, at nearly every part of our uh, nation uh, pulling at us and pulling us apart in many ways. Um, wh what, is, what is your driving 
uh, uh, issue that you're looking at? What is the thing that you want to tackle day one when you get to Washington, D.C.? Well, there, there are three things. One, we've got, a, we've got a major constitutional crisis, and we're seeing that with these, polit- you know, these political kangaroo court prosecutions of the president where Democrat prosecutors charging with 91 different accounts He's having to defend in seven different jurisdictions. It's all political. These Democrats are attacking not only the president's First Amendment rights, but mine and yours. They've gone after the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth, and the Sixth Amendment. I don't have time to go into a lot of analysis in detail, but a constitution is on the line. President Reagan did say that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction, and we are here, Brett. And the second thing is Congress. I mean, we wouldn't be in this mess. Uh, to a large degree, had Congress not advocated this responsibility over the years, we've had great congressional heroes like Dan Bishop, my friend Ralph Norman down in Rock Hill, and others who have stood up and tried to fight. But listen, Congress created this administrative deep state. You know, we have over 400 agencies they've created. And, and, and I, I was reading a thing in Forbes uh, that in the 11-year period between 2005 and 2016, over 89,000 regulations passed. And, Brett, you and I and the great Mm -hmm. men and women of the 8th District are responsible for adhering to those regulations. The Supreme Court has said that is the force and effect of law. So Congress has advocated its responsibility to make laws and created agencies under the federal government which actually make the laws while it stays home or doesn't finish its job, doesn't get a budget done. But one of the things I want to really push is budget responsibility Mm -hmm. and fiscal responsibility because we've got a $33 trillion deficit and $33 trillion debt, excuse me. And the problem is, uh, Brett, we run the risk of losing United States dollar yep. as the international uh, currency. And if that happens so that it's no longer the currency which is traded internationally, then we, we lose our place as a superpower. And standing the ports is downgraded the dollar once, and the Congress has continued to spend money like a bunch of drunk sailors. And so probably the thing I'm going to fight as hard as I can is this crazy out-of-control spending. We should not be uh, you know, funding these deep state agencies with continuing resolutions and omnibus bills. Congress is supposed to pass 12 pro- appro- appropriations bills, yep. mm-hmm. and they should do that or go home. So I'm going to fight for the budget. I'm going to fight against regulation. I'm going to fight to try to make the lives of our men and women and children of the 8th District more bearable. You know, it's it, look, it is so important, and I, I have said this, I said this in San Diego, I've said it in Los Angeles, I've said it w- with Rush and all these different places. The people that are going to save this country are the great patriots, the people who have who have served this country in a variety of of, of, of vocations, but most importantly, I think, it's it's the, 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 the men and women, the citizen soldiers who decide that they're going to devote their lives to saving this country. And uh, Don Brown, uh, I, you know, I think this is a, this is a fantastic opportunity for you and for the eighth and uh, i'd be remiss if i didn't ask where do people go to get more information on on your run and what's going on thank you my wonderful campaign manager michael luthy who ran center for bud's campaign Uh, it's his birthday he said i better tell brett our new website which is just up today brown4nc.com and that's f-o-r brown4nc.com would love everybody to go there brown4nc.com we've got a video talks a little bit about our background and we love to hear from everybody, and we just appreciate the opportunity to be with you tonight. We really do. Well, listen, we appreciate you, uh, your service to the country, and you uh, coming aboard and, and talking with us. Um, let's not let's not be strangers. I, I'd love to bounce some ideas uh, off of you as it relates to these to this emerging political uh, you know challenge that we're facing in this country. And um, uh, Don, it's a real pleasure to get to to meet you, even virtually over the phone. But uh, it is it is good to have you on the program, sir. You, you too, Brad. I'll talk again sooner rather than later. Appreciate you, man.
All right, everyone, that's going to do it for tonight. I really appreciate Lee Brown. Look forward to doing this all over again next week. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.